Here in Australia and across the Western world, we are inundated with choice. It seems like we have more choice than any generation that comes that came before us. We we go to the supermarket. We're confronted with a bewildering array of products. Uh, we have more choice when it comes to the kind of career that we go into. Gone are the days when a person will be channeled into a fairly narrow field or trade, and they do that forever. Uh, now people make multiple career choices over the course of their working lives. Um, we have more choice when it comes to travel. Reduce flight times, more airlines, more routes uh, means that we have access to a seemingly limitless number of destinations. We have more choices uh, when it comes to dating. In year gone, year gone by, you'd probably settle down with someone from your hometown. Uh, now, with internet dating and the fact that people move around more, uh, we can connect with people from all over the world. Uh, we have more choices about how we spend our leisure time. The possibilities are limitless. And when it comes to TV, there's Netflix and Google Play. There's so much choice that by the time we've worked out what we want to watch, it's too late in the evening to watch anything at all. I know Tissa and I aren't the only ones that do that. So we've got an enormous amount of choice in almost every area of our lives. And I guess that should make us really happy, right? We should be extremely satisfied with that. But we're not. Research shows uh, that a certain limited number of choices is a good thing. We like that. But too many choices is anxiety-inducing. We're presented with so many options that we find it very difficult to make a choice because we fear that we'll make the wrong choice. Well, this is where Jesus makes it very easy for us. When it comes to the most important choice that we can ever make, who or what will we serve? Jesus says there are only two options. We can uh, dedicate our lives to God, or we can dedicate our lives to materialism. Materialism is the tendency to live as if the material world is all there is. Materialism is placing a priority on our physical needs to the detriment of our spiritual needs. Uh, materialism is worshipping ourselves and our bodies and to varying degrees uh, all that's been created instead of worshipping our creator, instead of worshipping God. Materialism encompasses every kind of idolatry and it's just as prevalent and dangerous in the 21st century as it was in the 1st century, probably more so. And Jesus warns us against materialism. He begins by giving us three choices. But the three choices uh, really amount to the same thing. First choice, which kind of treasure will we choose? Treasure on earth or treasure in heaven? Second choice, what kind of eyes will we choose? Healthy eyes that allow light into our bodies, into our beings, into our lives, or unhealthy eyes that will confine us to a world of darkness. And third choice, which master will we choose? Will we choose to serve God or materialism? So firstly, which kind of treasure? Treasure on earth or treasure in heaven? In the ancient world, wealth was not secure for anyone. If you were poor, you lived day to day, you didn't have uh, any uh, treasure as such, any, any, anything of any substance. 
Uh, if you did have some material wealth, it would be locked up uh, in property or possession, so a home or livestock, a fishing boat, something like that. And even if you were a king with a royal treasury, there was always a risk of an invading army, a foreign king coming and making off with everything. So anybody's wealth, anybody's material assets uh, could be stolen, they could be damaged by uh, weather, or they could be destroyed by something as mundane as moths and vermin. Actually, just last year, a rat took up residence in a State Bank of India ATM in a town called Tinsukia, and it had a wonderful time shredding its way through $25,000 worth of Indian rupees. So uh, vermin can still destroy wealth, uh, but the point that Jesus was making is that wealth is transitory. It doesn't last. And that is just as true today as it was in the first century. Wealth can make us feel so secure but actually, it's extremely fragile. On a global scale, look at the financial uh, crisis of 2008, uh, which began with the collapse of the investment bank Lehman Brothers. Uh, governments found themselves having to bail out huge uh, financial institutions in the midst of a global economic downturn. Or on a more local scale, look at the fa- financial devastation that's been wreaked by... Uh, flooding and drought here in Queensland. People's livelihoods have just been snatched away from them. Or even here in Springfield, a person might be earning a good wage and they get used to a certain uh, standard of living. Uh, Maybe they've accumulated a few debts, but they're, they're paying them off, they're manageable. And then all of a sudden that person finds that they've been made redundant and they're struggling to make ends meet. It happens all the time. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm simply pointing out that material wealth is not a firm foundation upon which to build our lives. And even if we do very well financially over the course of our whole lives, even if we uh, never want for anything, uh, as it says in 1 Timothy 6 verse 7, we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Wealth is transitory. And Jesus says, don't worry about that sort of wealth. Instead, store up your treasure in heaven, treasure that will last forever. What kind of treasure is Jesus talking about? To to understand that, we need to remind ourselves uh, about the nature of Jesus' kingdom. Uh, Jesus' kingdom is not something that will simply appear at the end of time when Jesus returns to make all things new. Uh, Jesus' kingdom has already been established It's not yet fully established. We're still waiting for that, but it has been established nonetheless. Jesus' kingdom is here, and anything we do to build that kingdom will last forever. So, for example, the development of a Christ-like character. Uh, If part of your character becomes more Christ-like, if in some small way you become more like Jesus, then that change will remain with you for eternity. It's a sign that Jesus' kingdom has expanded into another area of your life. And Jesus' kingdom will last forever, as we heard. Psalm 145, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So, for example, if our capacity for love increases, then that is a treasure to safeguard, because that is something that we can take into the new creation with us. Another example, if God works through you, 
to bring someone else to faith through your love and your care and your testimony, then that means that Jesus' kingdom has expanded into that person's life. That person has been redeemed and will live with Jesus forever. What could be more valuable than that? Surely that is incomparable to any uh, material wealth, any earthly treasure that we might hope to accumulate. And Jesus is saying, look, this is an easy choice. Treasure that won't last or treasure that will last forever. Which do you want to invest in? The next choice, another easy choice, healthy eyes or unhealthy eyes. Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. There are two expressions which I think we can use synonymously to set your heart on something and to fix your eyes on something. Both essentially mean the same thing. What have we set our hearts on? What have we fixed our eyes on? Are we blinded by the allure of wealth and comfort? Or are our eyes open and healthy and able to see what is really important in life? If we fix our eyes on Jesus, his light comes flooding into our lives. If we fix our eyes on the material world, we are plunged into darkness. Now, I think I can safely say that none of us consciously make the accumulation of wealth the the most important thing in our lives. Uh, I think uh, materialism can be much more subtle than that. So, for example, if you went to Orion Shopping Centre and you did a survey and you asked, what is the most important thing in your life? Uh, Very few would say money. In fact, I doubt that anybody would give that answer. Uh, But I suspect a lot would say family. And there's nothing wrong with loving our family and making them a priority. We absolutely should do. Uh, But even something as good and wholesome and positive as family shouldn't be our highest priority. It shouldn't be uh, the thing upon which we've set our heart and fixed our eyes. That's actually idolatry. Now, there may be someone thinking, well, of course, I'm going to make my family my highest priority. What's he saying? I'm saying that if we fix our eyes on Jesus... His light comes flooding into our lives. That will change our hearts. It will change our character. Over time, it will change our relationships. Over time, we become a better husband or wife, mother, father, child, friend, grandparent, uh, whatever. Fixing our eyes on Jesus is actually the most loving and positive thing we can do for our families. Eyes that are fixed on Jesus are healthy. Eyes that are fixed elsewhere are unhealthy. If we fix our eyes on something that isn't Jesus, we are in fact choosing darkness over light. And how can that be good for anyone, especially those who are closest to us? Next easy choice. Which master will we choose? God or money? God or materialism? And and here we have the crux of the matter because the three choices amount to the same thing. Uh, In our world of infinite choices, Jesus makes it very simple. There is only one choice that really matters. The choice that affects all our other choices. Who will we serve? We serve God or money? Of course, money in and of itself is useless. It's only valuable because of what it enables us to buy. 
It's only valuable because we think it can make our lives easy and comfortable and enjoyable. But Jesus says either we serve God or we serve materialism. We can't serve both. But this is where we deceive ourselves because we think we can serve both. You know, if, if we think, well, my faith is important to me, but there's a whole load of other things in life that are important, and I've just kind of got to get the balance uh, between all those things. If that's how we're thinking, we're not really serving God because we can only serve one master. If we're torn between what we think the world has to offer and what we think God has to offer, we're not giving a percentage of our servant, uh, service to each. We're giving 100% of our service to the world. But if we're thinking, I serve Jesus, that's what comes first. And it's through my relationship with Jesus that I'm able to discern what's really important, what really matters in life. If that's the way we're thinking, if that's our modus operandi, then we are serving God. Now, it might be for some that all this talk of serving God sounds like real drudgery. Uh, some might think, yeah, but you know, if I serve money, materialism, the world, uh, doesn't that mean that I get to live in a great house and have wonderful holidays and exciting experiences? Doesn't that mean that I get to live a fantastic life? No. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that you'll worry about those things. It means that you'll fret about how you're doing compared with everyone else. It means you'll have a feeling of emptiness that can never be satisfied. And you become like a junkie going through life from one consumer experience to the next, one hit after the next. It will be your master. You won't control it. It will control you. Conversely, it's in serving God that we find the real life that we've been searching for in so many other areas. And when we serve God, all the things that we might previously have set our sights on, family, relationships, career, leisure time, all those things take on a whole new meaning. We're able to enjoy them within their proper context. In fact, we're able to enjoy them a whole lot more. So we've got a choice to store up our treasure on earth or in heaven, to fix our eyes on God and receive light or on something else and be plunged into darkness, to serve God or to serve money. It's a simple choice. We're not presented with a myriad of options uh, like when we uh, are choosing a film on Netflix. We choose God or we choose the world, and it's an easy choice. Lasting treasure or temporary gain. Light versus darkness. A loving God versus cold materialism. And to those who choose God, Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about, what you, uh, worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life the more, more than food and the body more than clothes? And then Jesus goes on to explain how God uh, feeds the birds and clothes the flowers. In other words, Jesus is saying the material world is important. God created it. God cares for it. Our material needs matter. They matter to us and they matter to God. 
but they're not so important that they should be our absolute priority. Only Jesus should be our absolute priority. That's quite easy to imagine the people of Jesus' day being preoccupied with the needs of the body, food, clothing, shelter. Life was hard. Life was brutal. Uh, These things were a matter of survival, as they still are in many parts of the world, and even here in Australia for those who are homeless and destitute. Yet even those people are not to focus on those things over and above their desire to serve God. You might think that in our land of plenty, we'd be less concerned with the needs of the body. You might think that because we're not at risk of going without food or clothing, uh, then that frees us up to focus on God. The opposite is true. We are besotted with the needs of the body. We are obsessed. And it's not just about what we'll eat, drink, and wear. We've invented a whole load of other needs, which aren't actually needs, but we act as if they are. Advertising is a good uh, indication, I think, of what concerns modern human beings. Food, drink, fast food, clothes, perfumes, watches, holidays, cars, gyms, beds, theme parks. It just goes on and on and on. But do you see the connection? All of those things concern the welfare of our bodies. How to feed it, clothe it, warm it, cool it. Exercise it, transport it, entertain it, relax it, refresh it, and so on and so on. Now, none of us are in danger of going without food and clothing, and yet we worry. And and, and being affluent and having access to all these wonderful things does nothing to alleviate that worry. If anything, it compounds it, it it, uh, adds to it. We aspire to a certain quality of life. We get used to a certain quality of life and we fear anything that threatens to rob us of that quality of life, even though we know that the majority of people in the world do not have what we have. And of course, the more we have, the more we want. And so the cycle of worry and stress and striving continues. And Jesus says, don't worry about the needs of the body. That should not be your primary concern. The pagans run after these things. Jesus calls us to be different. In fact, we could summarize the Sermon on the Mount in five words. They're five words that Jesus uses several times uh, during the sermon. Do not be like them. Do not be like them. Do not be like the hypocritical Pharisees that we looked at last week. Do not be like the materialistic pagans. You are called to be different. You are called to be different. That is what Jesus is saying. Whether it's a first century Jewish peasant or a 21st century affluent Australian, when human beings take their eyes off God, they have a tendency to worry about their material needs. And uh, 21st century Australians, or Brits, I'm not pointing the the finger, uh, 21st century Australians are just as likely to grow anxious about their wants as their needs. Let me say that again. 21st century Australians are just as likely to grow anxious about their wants as their needs. Now we need to understand, it's not that we shouldn't think 
about our material needs. The Bible, especially the book of Proverbs, encourages us to plan, work hard, invest, save, uh, make shrewd decisions, decisions that relate to the provision of our material needs. Jesus is saying, he's not saying uh, you don't need to think about these things. He's saying don't worry about them. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's so easy to worry, isn't it? To worry about the mortgage, the home improvements, the health care plan, how things are going at work, the visa, uh, the, 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 where's the money for the next holiday coming from, the school fees, you know, my pants are full of holes, my socks are full of holes, I've got to replace them, whatever it is. You know, we, we worry about these things. And, and, and we run around like headless chickens, trying to deal with them. And all the while, we don't invest in our relationship with God. We're so busy building and maintaining our own little kingdom that we don't seek Jesus' kingdom. Seeking God's kingdom is about bringing our time, our money, passions, hopes, desires, goals, dreams under God's rule. God made us. He knows everything about us. He can put those things to far better use than we ever could. But when we bring every aspect of our lives under God's rule, that's when things start to fall into place. I know that from personal experience. I know so many people will identify with this. You know, before I gave my life to Jesus, my life was in turmoil. But Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God knows what we need. He knows what we want as well. But more importantly, he knows what we need. And I don't mean God knows what we need to survive, food, water, clothing. Of course God knows what we need in the most basic physical terms. But it goes much deeper than that. God knows what you and I need to flourish as human beings. In some respects, our needs will be the same. In other respects, they'll be different. God knows what we need to become more like Jesus. God knows what we need to lead a fulfilling and fruitful life, to live a life that's packed with meaning and purpose, a life worth living. God knows what we need. God knows what we need to make us more effective kingdom builders. But none of these needs will be met if we don't seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So God promises to take care of our needs, not necessarily our wants, but our needs. But notice he doesn't promise us a trouble-free life. Jesus said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow uh, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. According to Jesus, each day has trouble. Every day we will have some kind of trouble. And we know that to be true. That's life. But as Christians, we're not to worry. We're not to anxiously worry about our material needs. We're not to, to make uh, our material needs or wants the overarching concern of our lives. The thing that should concern us most is seeking God's kingdom. Seeing God's kingdom grow in our own lives, in the lives of others, and in the world around us. Because when that is our priority, that is when we really start living. 
sort of summarize. Jesus presents us with a choice. God or materialism. If we choose God, and I hope we have or will, then the primary focus of our lives can no longer be our material needs or wants. And we certainly shouldn't be worrying or fretting about those things. Instead, we seek God's kingdom and we submit every area of our lives to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And that is what leads to fullness of life, real life, true life that Jesus longs to give each one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your son Jesus told us that he came to bring us life and life in all its fullness, fullness of life. And so often we get sidetracked and we focus on the material and we neglect our relationship with you. And we are sorry for that. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we will seek your kingdom first. Seek your kingdom and your righteousness. That we want to see your kingdom grow in our own lives and in the world around us. We pray that we will make that our priority. And as we do, we just have this growing sense of excitement and wonder and awe as we see your purposes being worked out in us and through us and in and through this church. Father, help us to be Christ-centered in all that we think and say and do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.